This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Welcome to Savvy Business Life Unscripted with your host Christina Rivera where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips empowering our audience to expand their personal potential Hi Lindsay Dowd Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting Life Unscripted How are you today? I'm great Thanks for having me Christina It's a pleasure to be here uh, you betcha. I'm so grateful to have you here today. Uh, we're going to share about how people working in organizations can really increase their leadership. And you've written a wonderful new book called Top Down Culture Revolutionize, Revolutionizing Leadership to Drive. Um, and so we're going to talk about mastering down that culture, how to really use your leadership skills to grow the business and, and help people in your organization. Also your talent grow as the organization grows. Um, but before we go to all those great details, uh, share a little bit about your backstory with your audience. Sure. I'd love to. So I spent about 25 years in corporate America and 23 of them were climbing the ranks at IBM. I used to run big sales organizations for them. So I had a lot of different leadership styles and um, I decided I was ready for a new chapter, which was a very big deal because my family put in 105 years at IBM. So for me to leave, everyone thought I was going to die there. But another company sought me out and said, come on over. We want you to run a team for us. So I did. I went over. I knew it was going to be hard, but I was like, I'm a maverick. I'm a hustler. I'll figure it out. And I got there. And in six months, they fired me. And anyone that knows me knows that was never part of my plan. Um, it was definitely the hardest, most shameful, painful thing I had ever experienced in my working life. And um, took me about a month before I could even talk about it. And I asked myself three questions. I said, what am I good at? What do I love to do? And how can I help people the most? And what I knew better than anyone was how to create irresistible culture that drives results. I knew how to build sales leaders. I knew what good leadership looked like. And I certainly knew what terrible leadership was because I had just experienced it. So that awful moment 
gave me the fuel to start my company, Heartbeat for Hire. And in the last year and a half, I wrote my book. I started a podcast. I have got a few awards. And today I'm a speaker and a coach and a founder and an author and um, a podcast host. Yes. And much more to come. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I love about this, Lindsay? I think so much of businesses, and we have a lot of business owners listening in, forget that culture isn't just the wonderful talent that you hire for your business, meaning, no meaning lower staff, but really it's the entire leadership from management all the way up to president. Um, part of what makes up a wonderful company with great culture is leadership. And yeah, do they no have question. the ability to lead? And, you know, I seem often in many companies, it seems to be lacking. Why do you think that is? Well, I think one thing I just have to start with saying is yeah. people don't quit companies. They quit managers. Yes. And the reason my book is called Top Down Culture is because you have to model it at the top. And if you're the kind of leader that jumps up and down on tables and yells <laughs> at people and embarrasses them, you cannot expect your people to have a different flavor and a different style. Mm -hmm. And when you model heart-centered leadership, that's what people will mirror back to you. Now, where I think things tend to go wrong, mm -hmm. and I came from sales, and sales is the hardest of all of the climates. So I figure if I could figure sales out, I can talk I can handle the rest. But with sales, what happens a lot is they'll take the top performers, the ones who are blowing it out of the park, and they'll say, we need to magnify those results and we need to make them a manager. But they didn't ask this very important question of why do you want to be a manager? And what happens when that, when they promote that person? First of all, that person likely doesn't care about anybody else. And they expect everybody to behave like they did. They expect them to understand their methodology. And that person gets frustrated, has doubts, projects all their dismay onto their people. The people disengage and they have this awful situation where they're not inspired by their leader. They're doing just a job. It's not a career. Mm -hmm. And this kind of snowballs because that person manages up very well. So it's just this wretched cycle that we've been doing wrong for so long. Yeah. And part of the, I have a whole bunch of fixes. If you want to hear some, I, 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 to share. Now, I, I want to ask you one really quick. Yeah. You said um, they manage up really well. What does that mean exactly? So what it means is they can cover their butts and it means that they can really make it appear they've got everything under control and their people are doing great when in reality, their people are struggling, their people are probably very stressed, very anxious, uninspired, disengaged, not collaborating. I could go on, oh, but yeah, yeah got that's got what I mean I, by I've, that. I've been there. And you know, it's interesting because I've I've consulted for mid-sized and super large enterprise businesses. And I walk in and I will have meeting with the C-suite you know, executives. And right. then I'll talk to all of the administrative staff and accounting and sales. And it's like two different worlds. Yes. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. We just got to get people doing this, that, and we're going to change processes and da, da, da. And, and, and then the staff is like, no one listens to us. Uh, we keep trying to tell them what the problems are. No oh. one's listening to us. So and I thought it was very interesting. It's like two different parallel universes. But what you just described is so dangerous. And you will, as long as you have that disconnect, you will never have an accurate view of the health of your business. Mm -hmm. And so the, the the simplest thing that I love to teach leaders to do is to ask their people, how can I be the best leader for you? 
It's a very humbling question. I've done it. And you will get different answers from everyone you ask. And everyone has different needs based on age, tenure, goals, career aspirations, whatever. But when you understand that, you can advocate for them. You can support them. You can share the spotlight. You can recognize what talent you've got on your bench. It's a, it's an incredibly um, tr- it's a, it's an incredible trust building question. And if you're smart and you use that to really connect with your people, you will avoid that disconnect, and you'll really be able to understand what your people need and how you can support them. Wow, I, I love I, you know that's how some of the best businesses have explored. Ex- loaded with their customers, which yes. is the idea of coming from service. Yes. And you can do that internally. It doesn't have to be, we yes. only do this outside for our clients, but if you do it with your, you know, your employees, the internal customers, uh, you can grow your business that much stronger. And it's interesting when you say that, because I'm guessing when you tell them, Hey, what, what do you need from me? So you can do your best job. Mm-hmm. It gives them permission to be like, oh, well, no one ever asked me that. I, I have, you know, I have kids at home and and I want to make sure I can be a good mom, but I want to work nine to five and give you my all. If they know that you'll give them that leeway, they'll come and they'll probably, you know, get their last dying breath because they know you got their back. It's like, you know. So what you're describing is psychological safety. And that initial question leads to that. And the psychological safety, I had, I was on a podcast once and this woman said, I heard psychological safety means you can just mail it in. And I said, no, 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 it is the exact opposite. Psychological safety is giving people the autonomy and the latitude to knock it out of the park. It's saying, I've got your back. Now fly, do it. I got you. If you fail, I'm here to help pick you up. And when you can support your team that way, they'll take risks, they'll collaborate, they'll innovate, they'll be inspired. And that is a whole different ballgame than micromanagement, which is the antithesis of what we just described. Micromanagement is a hugely insecure style of leadership. And it essentially says to your people, I don't trust you. I, I don't trust you to manage this process on your own. So I'm going to have to stick my neck in and find out what you're doing every step of the way. That's not inspiring. That's not coaching. That's not leading. That's just managing a process. And it's unfortunate. And you know, what's interesting about that? I've had leaders, bosses, managers like that. Mm. And you walk in and you begin to distrust yourself. Their distrust yes. in you begins that you have no trust in yourself. I got to a point that whenever she um, was questioning my emails or what did you do here, there, I would like go like, oh, I'm scared to press the button. That's right. It might be a, and in the, you right. can't operate your, your staff cannot operate to their fullest potential. They're just, they are going to make more mistakes if you operate that way. It's so true. And Christina, I'll tell you a little story. I was um, the company that fired me. That manager um, said to me once um, we had just gotten off a call and she says, I don't like how you did on that call. You didn't represent us. Well, you didn't represent the company. Well, you better do better next time. Mm. How do you think I did the next time? I was so stressed. I was so worried. I wasn't relying on my sense of humor, my ability to read people, my my ability to like read the room. I couldn't focus on any of that. I was just focused on the words coming out of my mouth and it sucked. I I wasn't good and I knew I wasn't good, but I couldn't get out of my own way because I was so anxious that I was going to do a bad job. And I did. And that's the difference between giving your people that support and that that power of you got this. I trust you. Go. Yeah. You watch people absolutely ex- stick their neck out and do things they never thought they could do. 
Well, I'd like to hit this from two angles. For yeah. one, I'd like us to explore anyone who's listening in business owner, they have a bunch of employees. How can they begin to see, am I a good boss? Do I need to work on my leadership? Where do I begin to see where my strengths or weaknesses are? And then I'd like to go at it from the angle of, say, you're working for someone. What can I do to be my best leader in the role? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things, you know, we talked about that one important question, that question will yield all kinds of things, but you have to be open. You have to be willing to accept some feedback because if you're going to be vulnerable and ask that question, they may come back and say to you, Hey, I don't like the way you embarrassed me on this call, or I don't like the way that you tell me to do stuff in front of other people, whatever that feedback is, listen, take it, don't get defensive and say, okay, I'm going to work on that. Even if you don't believe it, because you're trying to build trust mm -hmm. and trust is your currency without trust. You've got nothing. There is no chance that your team is going to rise up and do incredible work. If there's no trust, they'll mail it in. And a good litmus test is how are your team calls? Is there engagement? Are people talking? Are they raising their hand? Are they volunteering? Because if none of those things are happening, you've got a problem. But one of the great tools that you can use, there's two. One is leveraging recognition. And this one is, is so easy. It's just mm -hmm. the quickest tone change you could possibly have. If you start saying, I'm going to start, say to yourself first, I'm going to start recognizing people on my team. And most managers have some kind of a budget, whether it's points or dollars or something. Mm -hmm. I always exhausted those budgets and I want, and I always came back asking for more. It was so important to me that I gave away every single thing that I had. And I was perceived as a generous leader. And what that did was whether I was recognizing somebody for closing a deal or approaching a client in a different way or helping somebody on another project, my team understood that I was always going to be sharing the spotlight for them. Now, the other tool is delegation. And delegation is not just getting stuff off your plate. If you took the time to ask what your people need, what do they like to do? What are their career aspirations? You're going to get all this intel. Somebody might be like, I love analytics. I love presenting in front of people. I love building PowerPoints. Oh God, who loves doing that? <laughs> or, Someone out I there. love spreadsheets. <laughs> Whatever those things are, take those things and say, hey, we have a call coming up. There's a presentation that has to be put together. I'd love you to run point on it and present. I've got your back. We'll tag team it, but I want you to have a chance in the, in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the rest of the team sees this person getting this opportunity and they call and say, how do I do that? How mm -hmm. can I get involved? And all of a sudden your entire landscape has changed. You're not minimizing the tough work. You're asking people to do more than they normally would, but you're giving them a whole lot back and it feels so much more rewarding. They're so much more engaged. And when you do all these things, the environment that I created, people were knocking down the door to be a part of it. I got calls every week. Lens, how do I get on your team? When are you interviewing? When are you hiring? Do you have any open recs? Mm -hmm. All the time. And that tells me I created the environment that everyone wanted to be a part of. And it gave my managers that were reporting to me opportunity to do the same thing with the people reporting to them. And it's just this incredible, contagious, good, positive movement. Um, and it's not to minimize the work. 
-hmm. It's changing the tone. And that's what makes the hard work fun. And you can't underestimate fun. Yeah. I, I love that because, you know, we all have to do as my one boss said, one of my very first jobs said, it's called work for a reason. We all yeah. got to go do it, but there's no reason yeah. we can't have fun while we're doing mm -hmm. it. And you mentioned something very important that when you just change your tone about it, because often I will be in meetings and I'll see the boss say, okay, you're all doing this, and they'll just start delegating a whole bunch of stuff to their pile right. without have checking with the team members saying, hey, what is your basket look like? Can you handle this? Or, you know, you know, or even finding out where their strengths are, as you were saying, uh, I remember in one company, they were giving the sales reps a whole bunch of spreadsheets to do. And they were like, ah. they're like spreadsheets. No. Oh so, my gosh. That's probably the worst thing you could do to a sales rep. You want to sap their soul, <laughs> do that. And then tell them that they have to work in their CRM for like four hours a day. Watch your results fly out the window because that's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, now let's say from the other angle, you are an employee and you want to yeah. get better and, and get to a point where you're your own leader and then maybe yep. lead others someday. Where can you begin to get I better? I love this question. Yeah, yeah. I love this question because there was a couple of things I did as an individual contributor and it's, and it was something that I also did as a, as a leader, um, whenever I had a new leader come into the fold and, you know, in sales, you had a leader, a VP of sales for two, two and a half years, and then they were on to other things. But whenever I had a new one, I reached out to them immediately. So excited you're coming to the team. Is there anything I can do to help you? Would you like to understand the political landscape? Let me know. I'm here for you. Now, first of all, I'm smart. <laughs> I'm getting on their good side immediately, but I'm also trying to be an ally. And there was a great quote from my friend, Greg, who said, when you are a new leader, you are entering someone else's house. And the worst thing that a leader can do is to jump into a new environment and be like, okay, new sheriff's in town. Let's do this. And everything changes. You haven't taken the time to figure out what's working, what's not working. It's really important. So to be an employee and offer, hey, I'll help you. I'll show you what's kind of working and what's not working. That's incredibly useful to a new leader. It's really, really smart. Yeah. But there was many jobs that I had where I didn't have HR direct reports, but I had a team of people. And I had to make my team the most fun to work on because everyone had choices. They could have gone and worked on other accounts. I wanted them to be with me. So my job was to say, okay, I understand our client. This is their strategy. These are our goals. You know, what can we do to support those goals? And I created this environment where people were like, oh no, she's going to tell me to go call on the client. She's not in my way. Because yeah. there was a lot of gatekeeping in that job. Yeah. I didn't do that. But there were other leaders in my role that were doing that. And they hated working with that. Like, they're not going to let me call on the client. I was like, I'm one person. I've mm -hmm. got a huge client. I need you guys doing this. Just tell me first what you're going to do so I can advocate for you. Yeah. Now, again, these people didn't report to me. They had choices. But by giving them the latitude, same thing, whether I was a leader or not, giving mm -hmm. them that space and saying, I, I got you, sell it to me first, let me understand it. And then I can go and make sure people know that this meeting is happening and yeah. they can start to ask questions about it. So there's all kinds of ways to step up and lead. And the other thing, when you're having those one-on-ones with your manager, say, hey, 
I'm really interested in getting into management. What kind of training do I need to take? What's our program in our company to support up and coming managers? Do you have a rise program? That's like a pretty common name for those. Like we're going to put you, we're going to tag you and say, oh, Christina is a promising leader. We want to put her through this program. You know, a lot of companies have those. So can I be a part of it? How can I get engaged? And I'll say one more thing. There is um, a wonderful thing that we did at IBM and I called it creating a culture of advocacy. And what that was, was allowing leaders or allowing employees to have executive interviews with leaders outside their reporting chain. And what that does is it exposes you, the employee, to other parts of the business, mm-hmm. but it also exposes that leader to someone they wouldn't normally know. And when you get that opportunity to sit with the person, I had, I had, I got three different jobs from this exact scenario. So one woman said to me, tell me your story. And I did. And she's like, oh my gosh, you you, girl, you've got a lot, a lot of fire. This is exciting. I said, well, based on what you heard, do you have any jobs on your team that'll be coming up in the next few months? She goes, I have five and I'm going to let you pick which one you want. Mm, that is <laughs> I awesome. I only need one, but thank you. That's that's amazing. And it was because I had the support of my leaders to go and talk to these other leaders. It wasn't this territorial, I'm not going to let her leave thing. It was, I want to support her. I want to see her do well. And if ever there was a person on my team that raised their hand and said, Lindsay, I want to go do something else. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't think they were ready, I always supported that because I only wanted people on my team that wanted to be there. So if they wanted to go, I said, okay, I, I, I bless it. Go ahead. And if you know, that manager needs to talk to me, I'll be here. Awesome. You know, I, I, there's so many things that you said that were great points. Uh, I remember many years ago, we had new management step into the company I was working at. And the one underneath the new manager who was just hired said to me, we're going to kind of redo this department. What are some of your suggestions? Well, I just thought, well, this is my yes. So I wrote this huge report and all these oh, suggestions. Gosh. Well, it went to him. And then the guy, the woman who had just hired above him looked at it and she was immediately Ah, I, I don't know the word. She was bothered by it and felt threatened. Uh, I was shortly thereafter told that I was the last person. We'd have to let me go, whatever, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I realized when you said politics, the way you said to a person who wasn't a, yet a leader, someone new coming in, I'm here to help. You know, I could let you know the landscape, the politics. Let me know how I can serve you. Yeah. Coming at it from a service uh, perspective. Cause I just thought, I got a whole bunch of changes. Let's do this. I know. And, you and know, you, you really have to bide your time with that feedback. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you have to make sure you understand who's open to it and who's not. And that takes some time and it takes a lot of observation. And you really have to kind of figure out, like, okay, who's open, who's not, who are my allies? Because I've heard so many stories of people that have stubbed their toe like that and who just, and and that's not your fault. You had great ideas. You thought they would be well-received that, but that person was threatened. And that's, you know, unfortunately the case for a lot of leaders. But it's great to hear this, that from both sides, whether you are in leadership or if you are not yet in leadership, the fact that you can all come from a place of service. And Mm -hmm. I love when you gave that example of someone new coming on board, they're still new. It's going to be a scary experience, even if you are a leader entering into all these people who don't know you, maybe you feel like they're going to attack you or like the old boss better. And this way, if you all come from a place of service, you can make them feel comfortable and then 
therefore they can also work together with you. It'll be, yeah, yeah it'll and be awesome. You just said something that I think is so important. And that is there's no leader on the planet that knows everything. Mm -hmm. And when you are going into a new job, you can't know everything. And I think there's this unrealistic expectation, especially when you're a new leader that, oh my God, if people don't think I know everything, I'm doomed. But the best thing is when you can be vulnerable and say, hey guys, what's working? What's not working? What are the things you've loved about this environment before? What are the processes that really work and what needs fixing? First of all, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're making yourself authentic. You're making yourself relatable, which is all things people crave from leaders. It doesn't diminish your expertise. You got the job for a reason. It's smart because you're basically taking the collective capital, the brain trust of the people there to say, okay, guys, what can we build on to improve? I mean, I had this amazing, amazing leader. She's a very dear friend of mine still. And she moved on to another job and this other woman came in behind her. She never took the time to ask us what was going on. She had enormous shoes to fill. Mm. And she really didn't even care. Mm. And we all disengaged. It was the most toxic environment. Mm. It was so sad because we had the most gorgeous culture and everyone performed so well. And we watched our performance drop so significantly because we were so, we felt so oppressed. We felt really um, uninspired and unsafe. Mm. We, We just did not feel like we could talk to her. And you just made the absolutely perfect spot to say, where does everyone get a copy of your book, Top Down Culture? Because that's exactly what every leader needs. How can I operate top down offering that to, you know, being the best leader I can be today, if not perfect, but um, a learning process and using the capital, the wonderful people you have there, the talent coming at it from a place of service. Where can everyone get a copy of your book? So easy, topdownculture.com. And there's a free gift. Uh, it's the the top 10 mistakes that leaders make while trying to build this irresistible culture. So there's lots of, lots of mistakes that are made in the process. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find it. And there's lots of info about the book. There's a little preview as well. Well, I know that your book is going to help a lot of people. And hopefully anyone listening in feels compelled to make their business better by operating from a top-down Uh, perspective. Uh, Go out and get her book today, Top Down Culture. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming to Savvy Broadcasting. Christina, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Looking for a hilarious read? Well, check out my latest book, My Crazy Roommates. The names have been changed to protect the deranged. Step into the wild and unpredictable world of young adulthood in the heart of New York City. Brace yourself for a roller coaster ride through the trials, tribulations, and hilarious moments of shared living spaces with a colorful cast of characters. Fasten your seatbelt and get ready to laugh, cringe, and maybe shed a tear as you delve into the pages of My Crazy Roommates. So get your copy today, available at Amazon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.